Hi everyone, this is Andre. Welcome to Post-Soviet Chronicles, a podcast on the recent history and politics of the former Soviet Union region. Before we begin, I would really appreciate if you could support this podcast by giving it five stars on relevant streaming platforms, pressing the follow button and subscribing with your email at postsovietchronicles.com slash subscribe for notifications and exclusive bonus materials. For now, it's the only way for this podcast to grow and reach more listeners, so it would naturally mean a lot to me if you could go ahead and do that. Thank you so much. In this episode, we'll talk about the downfall of Nur Sultan Nazarbayev, who was the president of independent Kazakhstan from the collapse of the Soviet Union all the way until 2019. For decades, he was the most powerful person in Kazakhstan, and his family controlled the most lucrative sectors of the country's economy. But in 2019, he suddenly stepped down. He picked his successor, the current Kazakh president Kasim Jomar Tokayev, hoping that he would be able to maintain his influence through various lifelong titles that he awarded himself over the years. But instead, his power gradually diminished until he was stripped of essentially all of those fancy titles, becoming almost nothing more than the country's richest pensioner. What's even more interesting is that some of his allies and family members have been recently arrested in Kazakhstan, and he could do absolutely nothing about it. So, what caused Nazarbayev's downfall and why wasn't he able to maintain his influence? Let's talk about it in this episode. Nazarbayev was a senior Soviet politician during the late years of the Soviet Union. Following its disintegration in 1991, he became the president of the newly formed independent Kazakhstan by winning the presidential race with about 95% of the vote. The only issue was that he was the only candidate on the ballot, so a bit of a questionable victory if you ask me. But anyway, him and his family pretty much captured the Kazakh state, took over the key sectors of the country's economy and ran it as its own little business empire. Over the years, his family's internal dynamics were so unbelievably crazy that their rule could easily be turned into a Brazilian soap opera. It had everything, allegations of money laundering and corruption of gargantuan proportion, a disgraced Nazarbayev's son-in-law fleeing the country and then committing suicide in an Austrian prison, or, and I'm not making this up, a family member being arrested in London for biting a police officer and then jumping from the balcony while on drugs. We will definitely have an entire episode on Nazarbayev's rule as well as his bizarre family, but this episode will focus on what happened to Nazarbayev after he gave up his presidency in 2019. In an unexpected move in March 2019, Nazarbayev announced his resignation. While nobody can really know for sure, it is generally believed that he decided to leave his position mainly due to his deteriorating health. At the end of the day, at the time of his resignation, he was almost 79 years old, so it makes sense that he didn't feel particularly chipper. His appointed successor was Kasim Jomar Tokayev, a prominent politician and diplomat with a long career in Kazakhstan and internationally. From 2011 to 2013, he even served as Under Secretary General of the United Nations. In 2013, he was appointed the chair of the Kazakh Senate, this is a very senior role because, essentially, if something happens to the president or they step down, it is the chair of the Senate who assumes the temporary role of acting president. 
until the next presidential election. And that is exactly what happened. After Nazarbayev's resignation, Tokayev became the acting president. He vouched to continue Nazarbayev's policies, whatever that means, uh, you know, declaring his unwavering allegiance to the former president. He was then nominated by Nazarbayev's party, Nur Otan, as their candidate for the June 2019 snap presidential elections. Unsurprisingly, Tokayev won with over 70% of the vote. Like any other senior official within the authoritarian Kazakh political system, Tokayev was, of course, a Nazarbayev loyalist, and everyone expected him to be nothing more than the former president's puppet. I mean, one of the first things that Tokayev did after becoming president was to rename the Kazakh capital Astana to Nur Sultan in honor of Nazarbayev. He inherited Nazarbayev's prime minister, Askar Mamin, whom he was unable to get rid of without the approval of the former president. The same applied to other important figures within the Kazakh state apparatus at the time, notably the head of the country's powerful security agency and Nazarbayev's key ally, Karim Masimov. He'll come up again later on in this story. Tokayev couldn't really object to the former president keeping his chairmanship of the ruling party and his fancy titles such as Yilbasi, the leader of the nation. This Yilbasi title provided Nazarbayev and his close relatives with lifetime immunity from prosecution as well as many other privileges. After his resignation, Nazarbayev also became the lifelong chair of the country's security council. Basically, all of these roles allowed him to have significant influence over Tokayev, his policies and appointments to key government positions. The plan behind these arrangements essentially was to ensure a peaceful transition of power. You know, it was meant to allow Nazarbayev to safely retire without risking retribution. One of the goals was to also make sure that his family gets to keep those incredible riches accumulated during his presidency, often at the expense of the Kazakh people, according to anti-corruption journalists. Another interesting thing was that Nazarbayev's oldest daughter, Dariga Nazarbayeva, replaced Tokayev as the chair of the Senate once he became president. As I already mentioned at the start of this episode, the chair of the Kazakh Senate is the first in line for presidency should the incumbent president step down. So Dariga's appointment caused a lot of speculation that she was actually the real successor, while Tokayev was only there to, you know, warm up the throne for her a little bit. Many people initially compared him to another prominent post-Soviet seat warmer, Dmitry Medvedev. He famously kept the seat warm in the Kremlin for four years until Putin was legally allowed to come back as president in 2012. And who knows, maybe that actually was what the Nazarbayev family had planned for Tokayev. But it turned out that, unlike Russia's Medvedev, Tokayev was having none of it. A little over a year after Dariga's appointment in May 2020, Tokayev unexpectedly dismissed her from the chair of the Senate role. It came as a big surprise given Nazarbayev was still the chair of the country's security council and had a lot of influence over these appointments. Naturally, many observers considered this a significant blow to the former president's position. This became even clearer when Dariga Nazarbayeva was replaced by a member of Tokayev's team, at the time deputy head of his administration, Maulen Ashimbayev. From that point onwards, it was all kind of downhill for the Nazarbayev clan. In November 2021, the former president suddenly gave up his chairmanship of the ruling party and handed it over to Tokayev. While some observers speculated that Tokayev was trying to finally push Nazarbayev out, 
nobody could predict what was about to happen just a couple of months later, right after the New Year's Eve. At the start of January 2022, the Kazakh government sharply increased the country's fuel prices, which led to protests in Zhanaozen, a mining town in the oil-rich Mangistau region. The protests quickly spread across the country, including the largest city, Almaty. Tokayev ordered the price of fuel to be lowered, but at that point it was almost too little too late, as the demands of the protesters shifted from focusing on high fuel prices to general dissatisfaction with the government and poor living conditions. Interestingly, the protesters went on to tear down monuments of Nazarbayev and demanded the ultimate removal of the former president from power. One of the slogans of the protest was Shalket, which roughly translates from Kazakh as down with the old man, meaning of course Nazarbayev. The initial relatively peaceful protest then suddenly turned very violent. At some point, armed thugs who had previously raided the armory of the country's main security agency started appearing out of nowhere. They stormed and burned down government buildings and exchanged fire with the police. The clashes got very ugly, a police officer was found beheaded and the whole thing claimed lives of over 200 people. Everyone was very confused trying to understand who these people were. And Tokayev's post on social media, talking about bandits and terrorists who had been trained abroad and spoke a foreign language, didn't really help. Trained by whom and where and why? Those questions were actually never answered, even till this day. As the protests were turning violent, Tokayev used the opportunity to fire the government of Askar Mamin, the prime minister he was trying to get rid of for years. And then, most importantly, he pushed out Nazarbayev from his influential position as the head of the Security Council and assumed this role himself. At this point, it became quite clear that some sort of a power struggle was probably underway between Tokayev and the Nazarbayev clan. Different theories started to emerge about who was behind the street violence. The most prevalent theory, which also later proved to be the most likely, was that some members of the Nazarbayev clan did not like the fact that the former president was gradually losing his influence. So they decided to turn the protest violent by unleashing their thugs to sow chaos and essentially unseat Tokayev. The people who were often named in connection with the street violence were Nazarbayev's nephew and influential businessman Kairat Satibaldi, as well as the head of the Kazakh security agency Masimov, whom I've already mentioned earlier. They both represented a powerful bloc within the country's security services. Political commentators speculated that it probably wasn't an accident that a the all-powerful security agency somehow failed to suppress the protest in its tracks and b allowed its arsenal of weapons in Almaty to be looted by unknown people who were then able to use those weapons against the police. This theory was supported by the fact that Tokayev asked the CSTO, the military organization of Russia and its allies, to deploy troops in Kazakhstan and quell the unrest. This essentially meant that he didn't trust his own security forces anymore and needed the Russians to support him. Putin agreed to deploy the CSTO forces in Kazakhstan, who then stayed for about a week to guard the country's key infrastructure and government buildings. At the time when the CSTO arrived, the clashes were basically over and it was more a psychological power move by Tokayev. He was signaling that he had Putin on his side, which in this situation essentially meant a checkmate to those who opposed him. Once the whole thing calmed down a little, it was reported that the head of the security agency Masimov was arrested on charges of state treason. 
He was eventually sentenced to 18 years in April 2023. His deputy, Samata Bish, who happened to be another Nazarbayev's nephew, was dismissed. It became clear that with Russia's backing, Tokayev was going to use this situation to finally strip power from Nazarbayev and his family. Two Nazarbayev's sons-in-law were then fired from their senior positions in key state-owned companies. His oldest daughter, Dariga, once regarded as the real presidential successor, stopped appearing at parliamentary sessions and then stepped down as member of parliament in February 2022. Kairatsate Balde, the nephew believed to be involved in orchestrating the violence, was arrested in March and later sentenced to six years in prison on major embezzlement charges. His arrest was a clear signal that the Nazarbayev family was no longer untouchable. What was the role of Nazarbayev himself in these events remains unclear. There was a lot of speculation in the media that he participated in the plot to unseat Tokayev, but such allegations were never actually made on the official level. During the trial of Masimov, for example, the hypothesis of Nazarbayev's involvement in the January events was not even mentioned. There are also many people who believe that it was actually organized without Nazarbayev's knowledge, so we can't really know for sure. Tokayev eventually announced the unrest to be officially over, appointed a new prime minister and presented a plan of political and economic reforms. The point is, Tokayev won. He was not a puppet president anymore. His victory was confirmed by a video later published by Nazarbayev himself, where he announced his full support of Tokayev and claimed that there was no conflict within the country's elites. You can imagine that many people found quite difficult to believe that. When he was later asked about his long-term ally Masimov, plotting to overthrow Tokayev, Nazarbayev answered something along the lines of, how was I supposed to know? Did Jesus Christ know that Judas was a traitor? Well, if we want to talk in biblical terms, Jesus did actually know that Judas would betray him, so I wonder if Nazarbayev accidentally admitted his involvement there. But anyway, to seal his victory, Tokayev decided to rewrite the constitution, as you do in this part of the world. And to make it look like the will of the people, he did it through a referendum scheduled for June 2022. Among many proposed constitutional changes, the one that stood out the most was that the president was now not allowed to stay in office for longer than one term. The trick was that the presidential term was extended from five to seven years. Also, very conveniently, since the constitution was changed, Tokayev was allowed to run for presidency again with a clean sheet even though he had been president for three years already at that point. Another big change was the removal of Nazarbayev's Yelbasi title from the constitution. It was a strong indication that the former president was likely about to lose his leader of the nation title quite soon as well. There was quite a lot of criticism about organizing the referendum with a lot of haste and people generally having no time to properly familiarize themselves with the changes. Despite Tokayev's claims that these amendments would make Kazakhstan more democratic and less corrupt, many commentators considered the changes to be cosmetic, as Tokayev retained most of his extensive presidential powers. It won't be a surprise for you to hear that around 77% of Kazakhs voted in favor of Tokayev's amendments, and so they were implemented. Then, in another symbolic blow to Nazarbayev in September 2022, Tokayev returned the country's capital, its previous name, Astana. It's funny because, as I already said, 
It was Tokayev who had named the capital after Nazarbayev in the first place back in 2019. But hey, each day is a new beginning, as they say. The former president's clan also started to lose its grip on the economy. Tokayev gradually increased pressure against their businesses, forcing some of them to return over half a billion dollars to the Kazakh state. Uh, this mostly concerned formerly state-owned assets that Nazarbayev's associates had received for a fraction of their price, uh, or their alleged involvement in embezzlement from Kazakh state entities such as Kazakh Telecom and Kazmunai Gas. People forced to return substantial assets to the state included Nazarbayev's brother, Bolat Nazarbayev, and the arrested nephew, Satibaldi. In November 2022, Tokayev organized himself another presidential election, and won, of course, with over 81% of the vote. As expected, he didn't really face any serious contenders. The second best candidate got something around 3%, and the most interesting thing about this person was that his first name was Zhiguli, like the terrible Soviet car Jeremy Clarkson sees in his nightmares. Tokayev's win was pretty much the final step that he needed to take to complete the transition of power from the Nazarbayev clan and break the legacy of his predecessor. Nothing stood in his way anymore. Kazakhstan was now his to rule. And in February 2023, he put the final nail into the coffin of Nazarbayev's political career. He signed a decree stripping Nazarbayev of his Yelbasi title, removing most of his privileges, as well as his immediate family's lifetime immunity from criminal prosecution. That effectively left the former president with no official titles or real influence. And that was it for Nazarbayev as the leader of the nation. Having started his retirement with sweeping powers, his own pocket president and the capital named after him, he ended up stripped of all those fancy titles and influence by the man he himself handpicked to be his successor. That's it from me for today. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure you give it 5 stars on relevant streaming platforms, hit the follow button and recommend it to your friends. You can also subscribe with your email on postsovietchronicles.com slash subscribe so you get notified when the next episode comes out and receive exclusive, subscriber-only bonus content. As always, thank you for listening to Post Soviet Chronicles. 